This week is R4, the annual REMAX convention. I didn't attend the convention in person, but I have been listening to some of the speakers on the live stream. Nick Bailey, the CEO of REMAX, made a comment in the opening presentation that we don't really have an inventory issue. Isn't that interesting? He said, if over 6 million homes were sold in 2021, there's inventory. Hmm. Kind of makes you think about it. And he's saying it's just selling instantly. There is inventory, but it is selling super fast. Of course, that got me thinking about the problems in our market right now. Buyers are frustrated because they're not able to see houses a day after they go on the market. Then if a house is on the market for more than a day, buyers are suspicious that there's something wrong with it. I also wonder how many sellers are going to start wondering if they have left money on the table because they accepted the first offer that they received five minutes after it was listed. And there's nothing worse than having a seller cancel a contract out of remorse so that they can put it back on the market and try and get more money. This is why I love the offer review period. List a house on Friday and review offers on Sunday at five. But so many agents aren't doing an offer review period, and we're ending up with this perception of no inventory. Of course, demand is high, but how do we solve this problem? About a year ago, I created and presented a case study to members of Savvy Agent Club. In that case study, I reviewed three listings that I had listed early in 2021, where the offer review period was used. It was really interesting to see the tactics that uh, buyer's agents used along with what the sellers cared about and especially what the sellers did not care about. Following this intro will be the audio from that case study replay. If you'd like to watch it, I'll have a YouTube link available in the show notes so you can watch it on YouTube. Toward the beginning of that replay, I mentioned that it's 2021 and we didn't think it could get worse than 2020. <laughs> And here we are, it's 2022 and oh my God, it's so much worse. So I am just not going to say anything about comparing years to each other. And I no longer am going to have the mindset that this is worse than what it was last year. This is what it is this year. And these are the things in my control and how we're going to move forward with it. When you hear that, it'll probably make you chuckle a little bit. Okay, let's get to it. Welcome to the Savvy Agent Podcast, where we help real estate agents build a thriving business so they have financial freedom in their life without having to work 24-7. I'm your host, Heather Wright. Now let's get to it. So I don't know about you, but in my market, things are a little crazy, a frenzy, if you will. We don't have enough inventory and there's the demand is incredible for what is actually available on market. And all year long, we have been really escalating to the situation we're in today. So I'm recording this on March 25th, but um, I have three case studies to give you that started in January. So January and a couple in March to share with you on handling multiple offers. So I don't know how it is in your market. I'm in Des Moines. Our prices are, we're very conservative here. You know, we're Des Moines, Iowa is middle of America, heartland. 
our prices for houses don't get crazy like they do on the coast. And therefore our everything else financial doesn't get crazy. So if you're in California, you might be paying $200,000 more for a $1.5 million property, which could be a fixer upper. I have no idea if any of that information is accurate or not, but here in Des Moines, people are paying higher than list price. Our median price is usually around $200,000. I wouldn't be a, a bit surprised if that has increased this year based on market activity, but that gives you a general idea of what it is that I am personally dealing with in our market. We also have agents who have very loud voices. Everyone especially new people. <laughs> I love newbies throwing around their opinions. <laughs> and then you look up their sales and they've sold four things like, huh, where are you getting that opinion from where people say, oh, I would never wait three days to accept an offer. I would never do an escalation clause. I would never accept an escalation clause. Everybody has an opinion and you may or may not agree with my opinions, but I'm going to share them with you. And you might actually get some totally different observation out of this video than what my intention is. So full disclosure, sharing all of the information I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to share my screen. So here is my PowerPoint presentation. It's got a lot of words on it. I'm not the greatest at PowerPoint, so please forgive me. But this is a case study of the three multiple offer listings that I have dealt with this year. And if you don't do listings, but you work with buyers, this also might be helpful because of some observations that I saw in buyer trends as well. So our market conditions for the first quarter of 2021, probably pretty similar to yours. We have historically low interest rates, historically low inventory. It is definitely a seller's market. And I typically have, you know, I said our median price is around $200,000. We don't really work luxury in, on my team. My, I personally don't really work the luxury market. So when I say it's a seller's market, that may not be true for the five properties we have for sale in my area around a million dollars. Continuous buyer demand. Homes are being sold before they hit the market, which is a real problem because it is diminishing agent trust in the MLS system, agent trust in other agents. People are upset. This is, this is uh, we're in crisis mode here. And agents are not even able to show properties before they're sold. So if you get somebody who emails you at 9 a.m. and says, hey, I want to look at this this afternoon at 3, and you call to schedule that appointment, they've already accepted an offer. So it's very frustrating. And you know as well as I do, if you tell somebody three or four times that the house they want to see is already sold, reasonable, unreasonable, it's going to become your fault. So this is a real problem because agents need to be able to hold on to that business until they can actually find them something to sell. And the market conditions are not necessarily to be blamed on them. The frenzy is real. It really is. We are living in a frenzy right now and it is terrible. So here is uh, a case study. My first case study, I've been doing an offer review period. And um, I talked over all of the options with my sellers. 
these are my sellers. They had this cute little house in Grimes, Iowa that we listed for sale at the end of January. And they, um, their situation was that they had bought another house. So they were in a multiple offer purchasing and we were scheduled to close, um, I think at the beginning of March. So just a little bit more than a month that they were scheduled to close on that. And that gave them the flexibility to not have to sell their house before buying the next house. So they were able to coordinate having their, um, you know, they were planning on moving into the new house a week or so before closing on their old house. And we included that information here in the agent remarks that the sellers prefer to close the week of 315 or later. We also included in the agent remarks that seller will keep the house on market until at least January 31st at 5 p.m. when they'll review any and all offers. We listed it at 260,000 and that felt pretty high, but everything feels pretty high right now. So let's list it at 260 and see what happens. And the goals that we had for listing this was obviously to get as many as show, as many showings as possible. Bless you, Murphy. My dog is sneezing while I'm recording. That's fun. Uh, get as many showings as possible. Get as many offers as possible. Get the highest price and the best terms as possible. With the demand being so strong, why would we settle for the first offer when we could probably get more and better? And other goals that I had with this strategy, I wanted to give time for buyers to be able to go look at a property and I wanted to give agents time. We are very busy people and showing, if you have five active clients, which doesn't really sound like a lot until they all wanna see the same exact house or they all want you and your time and attention at the same exact time, it's too much. So when you open up the opportunity for a couple of days for people to come in and look at the property, I think that makes things a lot easier for everybody else. We also, uh, in my market, I'm not requiring um, single showings. So if there's overlapping showings, that's totally fine. Um, I expect people to be adults and to handle themselves accordingly. And um, I know in other markets, people are standing in line, going into the house one by one and having to sign COVID um, you know, documents before looking at any house that's not happening here. So if that's happening in your market, I feel really bad for you. Um, it would also be cool if I could get some sign calls. Like if we could pick up some leads on our listings, that would be great. And when you sell them the first day that they're listed, well, you don't really have any time to get any leads. And by giving people time to look at a house, think about it, and then write their offer, the idea is that we're also at the same time reducing buyer's remorse. So the people who are like, oh, geez, you know, I really regret writing $10,000 over on that offer. And then they cancel the very next morning before they've even paid earnest money. So the results, again, here's our goals for the listing. We ended up getting 13 showings. Now this was in January. You saw the snow in the picture. It was cold, very cold then. So um, it was also a little bit like the frenzy was going on, but it wasn't 
like it is today at the end of March. Those were actually better times that we were in. So we had 13 showings, which is not bad. Um, we ended up getting eight offers, which is pretty good. And we sold it for $10,000 over list price, which was great. And then my other goals, time for agents, sign calls and reducing buyer's remorse. The other results, we had the most showings on Friday and Saturday. So really we had some showings on Friday because it was listed on Friday. We had a lot of showings on Saturday. So, and I prepared the sellers for this. You are probably not going to be able to be at home at all during this period of time. So if this is the strategy that you wanna go with when we list your house, just know you're going to feel pretty put out while your house is on the market for showings. Uh, I thought it was interesting that we didn't really have that many showings scheduled for Sunday, even though the offer deadline was five o'clock. I don't think we got any sign calls on this listing. Uh, well, actually that's not true. We did get a sign call because I know Jessica showed the house and Jess is on my team. And uh, we didn't have any problems with the buyer. So whether or not they would have had buyer's remorse, you know, it, it, this is a hard thing to measure, um, but we didn't have any problems with them. So the eight offers, the winning offer was the only offer with an escalation clause. And actually you're gonna see out of these three case studies, there was only one escalation clause on each, on, on each one of the multiple offer situations. And in each case, the escalation clause won. Very interesting. Two of the eight offers selected no inspection, including the winning offer. One of the eight offers was to purchase it in as-is condition, but they wanted a 10-day home inspection period. So that was okay. The sellers liked that, but you and I both know that even if they are buying it in as-is condition and they have a home inspection and find a problem, they can still ask for it to be remedied and they can still back out of the contract, at least in Iowa, they can. Three of the eight offers included, included closing costs including the winning offer. Four of the eight offers, so half included a home warranty. No offers waived appraisal. And again, we're a very conservative market and I have not seen any appraisals waived. So uh, in January, this would have really surprised me. Um, and it, it will still surprise me the first time it happens. I, I see it's popular in various groups that I'm in, but so far, not my experience. One of the eight offers was FHA, the others were conventional, and actually it was the winning offer that was FHA. Only one offer had a 20% down payment, two had 10% down, and the rest were 5% or less, which makes sense because this is a first time home buyer house. I think the people who bought it or the people who sold it, I wanna say they paid, um, maybe 209 or 211, something something around there, uh, five or six years ago when they first bought it. So it is what I would consider a first time home buyer property. And one offer included paying $1,000 towards seller closing costs, which was nice. And I see why they did that because they were probably thinking it would have an appraisal problem if they added the $1,000 to the price but it kind of made things complicated <laughs> on figuring that out on my estimate of proceeds worksheet. So 
it, it was honestly, it was a little bit more difficult to explain than just adding a thousand dollars to the price. The winning offer was really prepared to win. They included an escalation clause of that they would pay $1,000 more than the highest competing offer up to $270,000. Their earnest money was low at only $500, which I didn't really like, but I always prepare my sellers to not ever expect to receive earnest money anyway. People get really particular about that. And if, if somebody backs out for a valid reason in inspection or an invalid reason in inspection, for example, it's, it's a battle to get everybody on the same page. And of course the sellers want that money. So it was low. We, we went ahead and accepted it low. And some of you are probably paying thousands and thousands of dollars in earnest money in your market. And this is probably quite laughable to you. So you're welcome. <laughs> this was an FHA offer and it, it only had three and a half percent down payment but it was a pretty nice house. And so I didn't expect any FHA issues. And if we were gonna have an appraisal problem, it would happen with any other offer too. They also included $2,000 in closing costs, which did prove to be tricky math. That could be just me, uh, but yeah, I remember thinking, now how in the heck is this supposed to work? So um, things get complicated when you have lots of offers to sift through. Uh, this offer had no home warranty and no home inspection. So that increased the uh, net offer, of course, because I include a home warranty in my estimate of proceeds budget, as well as a $1,500 inspection budget, which would cover a radon mitigation system and you know some electrical work. The next highest offer actually came in about around an hour after after offers were due. The sellers were having some technical difficulties with their internet not working. So we were on the phone going through all of the offers, but they couldn't see them because their internet wasn't working. So by the time their internet came on, around that time, we received the next highest offer, which ended up netting them, I think, um, another one or $2,000, probably another $2,000 if I remember correctly. And we'll look at the estimate of proceeds in a moment. So that, uh, that offer coming in late, plus the $1,000 escalation price, plus the $2,000 in closing costs, because their escalation was written on a net price, then it resulted in a net price to the sellers of $268,000, but the sale price was $270,000. See, the math is hard. So I learned some lessons here. Money talks is the first lesson learned. So the net price and not having an inspection, that was really nice for the sellers. They, they appreciated that. Needy offers are unattractive. When you're writing in personal property and being unnecessarily redundant by including TV mounts and shelves, that tells us you're going to be a pain in the ass. It's unattractive. Waiving inspection is very attractive. Now you might be thinking, I would never recommend that my buyers waive their home inspection. And I get that. I don't want to do that either. But representing a seller was very attractive. Being creative with the offer is confusing. So the person who was like, yeah, we'll give you $1,000 in seller closing costs. 
does that even work? Like, what does that look like? Do I have to call the lender to see how that it just, it's complicated. And so, especially since they weren't the highest priced offer, like that didn't really do anything for us. Sellers don't care about buyer letters. I think one or two buyers submitted a buyer letter and they're all the rage. Anything anybody wants to talk about these days. And, you know, I present them, but I tell people, you know, don't, uh, you, you, everybody knows from the listing agreement that you are not to discriminate against, and we do not care what color somebody is, what sex they are, who they like to have sex with. We don't care about anything unless they don't have money, then we don't care about that. <laughs> then we don't care about them at all. <laughs> but as far as the buyer letters go, sellers do not care. And Sunday at 5 p.m., especially with my clients having internet problems of their own and their kids were eating, like it, it was actually probably the wrong time for us to pick for them, but that was a lesson that I learned. So now, now we could the next time we would say, okay, well, what time works best for you? Nap time? Great. Let's schedule it for two o'clock on Sunday, something along those lines. So then the second, um, the second case study was actually a fixer upper. And I thought it was done snowing, but that was probably the last snow that we got uh, just overnight. So this one we listed on March 16th and it is a fixer upper. I was thinking it should probably sell around 240, maybe 245,000 since the market's pretty hot. And if it were fixed up, maybe 280 or, or more, depending on the quality of uh, materials that they used. The seller, um, it was actually a the mother of some past clients. She just moved to assisted living. The house is vacant and the house it's been lived in kind of rough. Like the, the carpet is stained and gross. It needs to be replaced. There's crayon marks on doors. Her grandkids lived with her for a while and nobody watches them and they're running wild. And you know, it's old out of style. I mean, it's not terribly old, but it's just not cool. Right? So it's a fixer upper. Um, really good bones though. So you also could technically move into the house and not make any changes. I mean, I would still replace the carpet cause it was gross, but you would not have to like gut it to live there. So we listed it on a Tuesday afternoon and typically I would have had, um, offers at five o'clock on Thursday. But at five o'clock on Thursday, I was having people over at my house. So that did not work for my social life. So we said the offers would be reviewed Friday at noon. Um, I don't think I included this in the lessons on this one, but some agents were kind of annoyed by that because they thought it was too long. So this actually didn't go on market until later in the afternoon on Tuesday, but Monday evening, my photographer posted it. So people were seeing it on his Facebook page and calling me about it Tuesday morning. And so Friday felt like it was a week away. The seller would like to review any and all offers on Friday at noon. So I had that in the agent remarks, but what I was watching happening in our local Facebook group is agents were melting down. Everybody, there must have been like one really popular house that uh, the seller, I guess, changed their mind. They had it marked that they were going to wait 
uh, and review all offers, but then they took it off market before that deadline that they had um, advertised and agents, agents lost out. They didn't write the offer because they thought they had time. And turns out the seller was so upset like he was not prepared to be out of his house for that, for, for the entire length that his house was on the market. And so he was just so annoyed by the whole process that he said, screw it. I want to accept an offer. And, um, that put a lot of agents in an uproar and they were talking online about how they will never trust that sentence ever again. And it did make me think it, it this woman was, this is like a trust situation and she signed, in person, but she doesn't use the internet and she lives at this nursing home and I don't have my COVID vaccine. So like it, it was really inconvenient to have for me to get a second signature from her for this. So, um, it was this listing that I didn't do this for, but I had the idea to include an addendum signed by the sellers that they plan on waiting until Friday at noon to review all offers and upload it as an attachment on the MLS to help agents have some trust. So our goals, pretty, pretty much the same, except um, she wanted to sell it in as is condition because like this is the money that she's gonna live off of for the rest of her life. So we, there's no room in the budget for repairs, especially when you're obviously buying a house that is not perfect. And uh, the other goals that we had are the same as before. So the results, we had 22 showings, but because it was vacant, I'm sure there were some overlap showings. Uh, you know how uh, if somebody's upstairs, somebody might be in the basement and uh, it just doesn't register on the lockbox. We ended up with five offers, which I thought was really good because we priced it at 250,000, which was aggressive based on where I thought it was going to sell. And we ended up selling it for $2,615 over list price and we sold it in as-is condition. And then I ended up meeting with the seller's son on the phone at noon on Friday. He's the decision maker, and he's just going to tell his mom, this is what we did. And it was efficient and wrapped up quickly, no problem. And our other goals, the same. So we had the extra time on market for Heather's social life. So that was good. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that we got any... I'm not sure we got any sign calls on any of these. I guess I know that Jess, Jess showed the last listing we reviewed and she actually had the winning offer on this one, but it was from clients she was already working with. So I don't think we had anybody call on this one. And it was recently sold. They bought it in as-is condition. They already had their home inspection, uh, you know, so, so far so good. The five offers. It was the only escalation clause again. Four of the five offers were at or above list price. All five offers wanted to have an inspection, which I suppose is common. So because we priced it so high for a fixer, uh, I don't know that any of these people were investors. I think they were all going to be owner occupants. Only two of the five offers included any mention of purchasing this in as-is condition, which was listed in the public marketing remarks. One of the five offers was a subject to sale, which, what are you doing? <laughs> you know you're in multiple offers. Why? What? Like that is, it just doesn't make any sense to me. 
and, and their, their offer price was not even near the highest. So it just, I'm dumbfounded. Two of the five offers included co closing costs. Two of five included a home warranty. Zero offers waived the appraisal. Once again, two of five offers were FHA, oh, was FHA. Nice, nice grammar, Heather. The others were conventional. Only one offer had a 20% down payment and one had 5% down and the rest ranged from zero to three and a half percent. So this is, this is pretty common in my area. The winning offer, they were really prepared to win. They, so the buyers were working with my agent, with Jessica, and they had lost out on several already. And they were running her ragged, looking at houses every day, writing offers every day and losing every day. They included an escalation clause of $100 more than the highest competing offer up to 260, which was $10,000 higher than list price. This $100, that's nothing. So that's kind of cheap, actually. That was not impressive but we'll take it. <laughs> the earnest money was $1,500. And in my market, uh, we may have mentioned this, $1,000 is pretty customary. Um, but this offer did see a few offers that had, or this house saw a few offers that had higher earnest amounts up to 2,500. But again, I always prepare my sellers to not get that earnest money. So I don't really know how much of a sales pitch earnest money is. Now, if they had said it was non-refundable, even then I'm not sure it would have made a difference to my sellers because if it wasn't the highest sales price, it's not necessary. I mean, like, what are they gonna do? Hope that something happens and the buyer backs out so they get the non-refundable earnest money and then list, list it again. Like it's, it's just, it's a bad strategy. They included a fairly quick closing date of April 20th. Um, I expect we'll probably have a delay because our, our lenders are complaining that they don't have enough time for appraisals. We wanted to sell it in as-is condition and the winning offer not only included an as-is addendum, they were the only ones to do that, but they also mentioned on a separate addendum that the inspection was for the buyer's knowledge only. So that was cool. And they also had the quickest inspection time frame of seven days, no home warranty. The next highest offer was a net price of 252.515. So uh, that puts us at 252.615. Woohoo! <laughs> so the lessons learned on this one again, money talks. It's in uh, net price as is condition. However, this is an observation for buyer agents. If you're doing an escalation clause, a hundred bucks is really not super attractive. I would probably do at least $500 in my market um, because otherwise you're kind of talking about the same exact money. And the purpose of the escalation is to get the attention of the seller and maybe draw their attention away from your financing terms. So maybe you don't have as much as much money for a down payment as the next person. But if you're paying them a thousand dollars more, maybe that doesn't matter to them. Subject to sale offers and a multiple offer situation, they're futile. Uh, maybe the agent had prepared the buyer. I, I don't really know what the situation was, but I do feel that they wasted their time. 
agent communication could be improved. So everyone was aware that we had multiple offers and I still attempted to confirm it was their highest and best and two agents did not confirm and they had time. Also two agents did not include pre-approval letters. What the heck? I'm not chasing people down. Uh, next time I will note the as is verbiage in the agent remarks. This is where my communication can be improved as well as public remarks. Sellers don't care about buyer letters. I think we had one buyer letter on this one. My guy did not care. Agents are suspicious. So um, I already talked about this, that uh, we should all do better. We, we should, <laughs> it, everything, we should do better on all, all of these things. But definitely, we don't want to hurt our reputation by being known as the agent who doesn't do what they say they're going to do. Case study number three, Ridgewood Court, similar situation to the first case study. These guys were uh, like, they've, they followed Dave Ramsey and they have paid off their house. So they were able to purchase a, uh, a new house, uh, regardless of selling their old home. And that gave them, you know, freedom to get ready to sell. And, but because they follow Dave Ramsey, they hustled to get this on market. Another thing to note about this house, uh, this photo looks lovely, but the real truth is this, this hill that looks nice and gradual in the picture, but it is actually like a steep cliff behind the house. I mean, that is some serious buns of steel to have to mow that. I mean, the street name is Ridgewood because it is built into a ridge. And my clients loved the yard. When they bought it five years ago, I was like, guys, are you sure you want to buy this? Because that yard is killer. And anytime you go to sell this in the future, you're only going to hear complaints about it. And sure enough, uh, they have a ring doorbell. <laughs> and they would text me, oh my God, these people were just like, that backyard is a disaster. <laughs> so 2021 was absolutely the best time ever for them to list and sell their house. So uh, we had, uh, we listed this on a Thursday morning for $290,000 at the very, very top of market value. I am listing all of my listings incredibly high because hell if I know what it's going to go for. So, um, you know, and I want to do my best to make sure that my clients are getting the most amount of money possible and not leaving money on the table. So we listed on Thursday morning and the agent, agent remarks stated that we would be reviewing offers on Saturday at five. And this is the case study where I actually uploaded the addendum that stated like the seller signed it. So they were in agreement in advance that yes, we're going to keep our house on the market through Saturday at five o'clock. And I added a little bit extra verbiage to the, uh, to the agent remarks that no offers will be accepted before then. And the seller is very flexible to accommodate showings before 7 PM. Their daughter goes to bed at 7:30, So we needed to have showings done before then. Um, they uh, also had a couple of projects that they were unable to get done before we listed it. They were going to paint the front door a dark blue and the inside of the door white and the back deck stairs need to be replaced or they're going to be replaced before closing. And the roof was supposed to be replaced this week, but it has been delayed because of rain. So 
uh, the goals were the same and uh, same for our other goals. We wanted leads, we wanted to give people time to look at the house and we wanted to reduce buyer's remorse and gain agent trust. So our actual results, we had 17 showings, probably more that overlapped, definitely more that overlapped because the agent that had the winning offer never even showed the house. Like she didn't come in on the lockbox. So I know that there were multiple people at the houses and, and that's okay, that happens. And I'm, I'm fine with that and the seller is fine with that. We ended up having three offers, which is great. It only takes one offer to sell your house, but this was priced so high with that damn hill in the backyard that I thought three, I thought three offers was like a jackpot. And we ended up selling it for $2,515 over list price and scheduling the time to meet with the seller was simple and easy to prepare for because I used my multiple offer spreadsheet. I uh, sent them a link to all of the file attachments in Dropbox that they can review those on their own time. We didn't have to go through each one painstakingly. Um, as far as our other goals, most showings for this one, remember it was listed on a Thursday. We did have some showings on Thursday. We had a good number of showings on Friday, but on Saturday they were out of the house all day long. Um, I don't think we got any sign calls on this listing and it's a pretty new sale. Their inspection is actually tomorrow. So hopefully no buyer issues. Um, I do think that the attachment to the MLS, uh, the addendum uh, that the seller signed saying they're keeping it on market until the deadline, I think that helps make it more trustworthy. Um, agents still called me and said, is, is this, are you sure? Is this really still happening? <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of frustration in the market. Okay, the three offers. Once again, the escalation offer, uh, the, the only offer that had the escalation clause in it was also the winning offer. And I find that strange that escalation clauses aren't more popular. I know there are some brokerages in town that discourage them. I know that there's some, uh, you know, talk of legal drama around it, but I've never had a problem and I have used them both on the buy side and the sell side and it works fine. All offer, knock on wood in case I just jinxed myself. All offers included an inspection period. One of the three offers was a subject to sale. One offer included closing costs. One included a home warranty. Zero offers waived the appraisal. All offers were conventional financing. One offer had 20% down, one had 10% down, and one had 5%. And the down payment amount was a tiebreaker for the sellers. So, yep, the winning offer was really prepared to win. They included an escalation clause of $1,000 more than a competing offer up to $302,000. So there is an argument, a very valid argument. I was, I was chatting with um, an agent about why would you not why would you not accept escalation offers on your listing? And he said, I don't want, I don't want to be you know, doing the math of a hundred dollars more than this or a thousand dollars more than this. I want you to submit your highest and best offer. Just plain and simple. He thinks that the escalation clause is really more in the buyer's favor 
than it is in the seller's favor. And this is a prime example of how true that is. Now, the assumption that we make here is that the buyer, if they were only accepting highest and best offers, the assumption is that the buyer would offer 302,000, but I don't know if they would do that. You know, that's, this is very hard to predict what people are actually willing to do. But in this case, they ended up not spending the 302,000, like they're, it was like $2,500 more than the list price. So they saved money from what in theory would have been their highest and best. But if they were actually submitting only their highest and best, would they have been more conservative? I don't know. It was a pretty standard offer with $1,000 in closing costs. I think that's supposed to say earnest money. Yeah, it's $1,000 earnest money. They didn't have closing costs. But they did have 20% down, which was more attractive than the 10% than the of a competing price offer. They requested a seven-day home warranty. No. <laughs> they requested a seven-day home inspection period and a home warranty. And the next highest offer was a net price of $292, which was only $515 less than this offer. So... <clears throat> My people were like, well, can we get more money from somebody else? I think they were probably a little disappointed that we didn't have more crazy offers because like in their mind, the hill is nothing. They love the hill and their house is pretty nice. The bathrooms were all updated. Uh, you know, the kitchen could probably stand to be updated. Uh, there's, there's things people could do to it, but it's a really nice place. So listing it at 290,000, I know that that feels pretty high, but they're thinking, who cares? I see all my friends on Facebook selling their house and getting, you know, thousands of dollars more than list price. So um, one agent was really needy and she kept calling me. So she was the first offer that came in and she would call me to confirm that we got the offer. She wanted me to accept it beforehand. I'm like, no, nah, that's not going to work. She included a buyer letter and it was pretty cute. And it actually swayed me more than it swayed the sellers. She checked in with me the next day to see if there were any other offers. Then when we did get other offers, because most of the offers come in in the last few hours before offer deadline. So when she checked in, or uh, actually I, ch I checked with her and said, hey, we have multiple offers. Is this your client's highest and best offer? They did then raise their price to 292. So they were initially at full price. And so she was so desperate to get them the house though. So then when I saw we were $515 apart, I said, Hey, would your people be willing to pay $515 more? And she's like, Oh my God. Yes. So now we have equal money on the table and my clients thought about it. They're very financially responsible and they decided to go with the seller who had 20% down payment instead of 10. So uh, we did not we did not use the verbal $515 against them uh, because like it just um, this was a this was a net offer. I don't think we had to use their escalation clause at all. So we could have we could have said hey this other offer, rewrite it for 292.515. And we could have then got 293.515 by adding $1,000 through the escalation, but that's kind of shitty. So we didn't do that.
So the lessons on this, again, money talks, it really came down to the down payment. Lazy offers are unattractive. There was only one offer that included projects that were stated to be completed. Remember, we were going to replace the deck stairs, new roof, and um, do the paint on the front door. And those are things that I would have written into the offer. Uh, I think actually on another, on another listing, I had a couple of offers that had blanks on it, like blanks that should have been filled out and weren't. So we didn't know what they were. I, if I, I don't know your intentions if you don't put them on the offer. And then when I have to compare your unknown offer to one that fills in the blanks properly, like we're trained, you're going to lose. So lazy offers are unattractive. Lazy agents are also unattractive. So one agent had shown the house five hours before deadline. And then we weren't, actually, we didn't get many other offers. I think they all came in after four o'clock that day. And so I was starting to get nervous that we were only going to have the one offer. And my assistant uh, wasn't working that day. So I followed up with everybody who'd shown the house that day asking for feedback. Hey, how'd your showing go? And so this agent had responded and said, it went well, I think I might want to write an offer. What's the deadline? I said, five o'clock today. And so she responded, well, we won't have time to write then. Now I'm sure she's busy. I know she's busy. I've worked with her in the past. She's a very pleasant woman, but you know what the market is like. How is it that you're not prepared to have a fallback plan when your client wants to write an offer? Like, do you not have that conversation with them? Do you not come prepared with paperwork? Is there nobody else that you can call to have the offer filled out for you? Why didn't you call the listing agent to ask questions? Like, the, I just feel like this was a very blase attitude to have, which was not in favor of her clients, at least from the outside looking in. Perhaps the real story is completely different, but that's, that's an observation for you. Again, sellers don't care about buyer letters. That <laughs> one buyer submitted a letter and it was so cute and nice. And they were basically like, we know you're not going to pick us, but we really like your house. And hopefully this letter, uh, you know, puts a smile on your face. I, I don't think it said put a smile on your face, but it was really nice and sweet and maybe the best buyer letter I've ever seen. So I was swayed more by the buyer letter than the sellers. So at the end of the day, the sellers still don't care about buyer letters. And the, um, I was, I'm thankful that I had prepared the sellers for fewer offers. Again, I think they might've been slightly disappointed, but uh, you, that's probably going to happen no matter what. And so the steep hill that they had, uh, yeah, it's still a <laughs> that stupid hill. And even the agent who had the winning offer, you know, she called me and she's like, boy, that's a big hill, huh? <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, this is the best time for them to sell that house. So you're going to buy it or what? And yep, they did. So overall, uh, money talks, escalation clauses aren't used as much as I would have expected. I think that those should be reevaluated, perhaps. If you're not winning offers, maybe consider using them. In theory, highest and best offers would work better for the seller. However, the escalation offer won in each of these scenarios. Having no inspection on your offer is very attractive. Needy, lazy offers are unattractive. 
incomplete paperwork, requesting personal property, calling the listing agent constantly in hopes that your offer is selected. Um, this also goes for lenders. If any agent sicked their lender on me to call and, you know, sell the buyer, I would be really annoyed. And I, I see, I see lenders asking that question in groups all the time. Would it help if I called the agent? <laughs> no, it would not. That would work against you very quickly in my book. Uh, sellers don't care about buyer letters. Subject to sale has a time and a place. And unfortunately, I just don't think it's in a multiple offer situation unless you're going to pay out the nose with no appraisal clause. And even then, it, it's just silly because subject to sale, you stay on market until you get a better offer. And we have better offers before you even submit yours. Um, we didn't really get much for sign calls. So, it, you know, maybe that's a testament to buyers out there have an agent. Uh, these are all, the price on these were all 250 or higher. So, you know, your first time buyers, maybe they, the ones without an agent are in a lower price bracket. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, an overall observation is that we should do everything we can to help agents help their clients. We all have the same problems. And so do unto others as you would have done unto you. Agents are frustrated. I think that addendum attachment to the MLS will help them trust the offer timeline. Um, and it will also put sellers, like sellers will understand you cannot change your mind. This is serious. If you, if you are not the type of person who can handle the stress of going three days without knowing if you're going to have multiple offers or not, this, this is probably not for you. Um, yeah, but including directions and seller priorities in the agent remarks may help. So I did that on some listings, the as is condition listing did not have as is written in the seller or in the agent remarks. I regret that and would change that if I were to do it again. And then, um, you know, always, always giving them as much information as you can. Oh my gosh, what happened? Yeah. I'll always give them as much information about the seller priorities as you can. Okay, so should you do an offer review period or not? So let's start at the bottom here. I think that an offer review period is probably not going to work for the seller who can't handle the pressure like we just talked about or for the seller who needs to sell right now, like a subject to sell, for example if they have a subject to sale accepted on their next house, um, waiting three days is probably gonna knock them out on, on that one. So I have found the offer review period successful for multiple reasons. It gets sellers more exposure, may result in more offers, may result in a higher sales price, may result in better terms. It gives buyers more time to see and think about the property and it gives agents time to show and strategize and frankly, build relationships with people. It's also really nice to know that I don't have to, I don't have to do a multiple offer situation at 10 o'clock tonight. I get to do it on five o'clock at Saturday when I've already decided when I'm going to work. 
if I were doing this presentation today, I would probably change the fact that I don't think a thousand dollars is really even enough for an escalation clause anymore because it's, it's really commonplace at last year, escalation clauses did become more popular, more commonplace, but I did lose a sale last summer because the agent said, you know, how, oh, what was the deal? Um, did they waive the appraisal entirely? And we only guaranteed maybe $10,000 of it or something. And he said, you know, for just a thousand dollars more than their offer, it's not really worth it to them. And that made me think, well, I guess a thousand dollars isn't really that much in comparison to what they're getting. You know, if you're selling a $300,000 home, a thousand dollars, isn't really that much money. So that's where I am now of the opinion that if you're going to do an escalation clause, original presentation, we had one that was a hundred dollars more, which was chump change. Don't do that. I recommended then at least $500, a thousand dollars is of course much better, but today I'm doing $2,000 for an escalation amount. And what works in my market might not work in your market. So take all of it with a grain of salt. This is my experience. And I think that you could probably adjust my experience to make it work for you in your market. The offer review period solves some problems, but not all problems. For example, it doesn't solve affordable housing. However, I think if more agents explored this option with their sellers, it would be great for the rest of us representing buyers. And it would be good for the sellers too, because then they will have complete confidence in their listing agent for working with them to get X number of offers. And even if you only get one offer, well, it was on the market for three days and that's the offer we got. Some people feel like the offer review period is very bold, like assuming you're going to get an offer in the first day or two. Well, aren't you, you are the real estate agent. You're the expert. Don't you know the market? When you look at your own experience out working with buyers, when you look at the comps and the days on market, they have, when you consider your gut instinct. Do you think that this might be a good property that will have a lot of interest in your market? I ask myself those same questions. And if the answer is no, I don't do an offer review period. And I talk to my seller about that. I say, I am not sure that this is a good one to have an offer review period. They are paying you for your expertise. So you should give it to them. You know, sometimes people think, oh, well, it's a jinx. I'm going to jinx my listing by putting this deadline on there. Okay. Well, if you list it on Friday with a review period of Sunday at five o'clock and it turns out it was a jinx and you did not get an offer, you will go into the agent remarks and very quickly remove the jinx paragraph, the, the jinx sentence that says the reviewing offers on Sunday at five and then move on with your life. So the jinx will be gone and you'll get an offer the very next day. And I do talk to my sellers about that and explain, you know, if we list it at the very top of the market and have an offer review period on it, who knows what all of the reasons are that we can come up with why we would not get multiple offer situation or any offers at all in the case of a jinx. And so what I explained to them is, if that happens, if we end up not getting any offers at all, I will very quietly go into the agent remarks on Sunday at five o'clock. If you can't edit them yourselves, then Monday morning at 8 a.m., my office will go in and edit those remarks and just remove that sentence. And we'll just pretend like it never happened. 
because you don't actually know what's going to happen. But if you just have a crazy, insane day of agents trampling all over each other and not even having a 15 minute increment to get in there to show a house, you might be eliminating a very perfect buyer. So your sellers are going to give up $10,000, $20,000 because they can't figure out where to go for the weekend while their house is being shown back to back by agents. Okay. You figure that out. Send them to a hotel, send them to, do you have a casino in town? Send them to the casino hotel. Is there a water park nearby? Send them to that hotel, send them to a four or five star hotel. You're getting paid how much money to sell their house. Surely that can warrant the expense of two nights at a hotel. Then they come home on Sunday afternoon and have all of these offers waiting for them. You are not only their most favorite agent, but you just gave them a vacation. They're going to tell all of their friends how awesome it is working with you. So yes, there are problems. Yes, there are no guarantees to this, but there are also ways that we can present the situation to be good in our own favor. Hopefully you got something out of this podcast episode. It's a lot longer than usual. So thanks for sticking with us. 